So the story is Jackson came down with a severe case of E. coli, and it went in and started shutting down all of his organs. And basically, he went into the hospital. They, they tried doing a bunch of different treatments. They came back out. He got sick again, went back in. Uh, basically, um, Jackson's dad is a pastor on staff at Bethel Church, and he called the prayer chain and said, you need to pray for my son, because this time they sent my son home and said, he's not going to make it. He's going to die. And there's nothing we can do about it. And then in the midst of that is when the Hesslers, who were on staff as worship pastors, they wrote this song in the middle of this battle as they were praying and interceding for Jackson to be healed. And what you just saw is the day that they, the first time they ever did the song at Bethel was that day with Jackson there on his dad's shoulders because God had supernaturally healed him. That an incredible story, amen? So when you hear that song on the radio, you kind of know the background. Let's give God a round of applause for that, amen? But when, this, when they were in the battle with Jackson and everything that was going on with him and they were looking like they were going to lose their son, you know, uh, you know they, would, they would sing to God and, and then they would pray and intercede and they had all kinds of prayer warriors at Bethel praying and and Hessler said when he wrote this song, he says, you know, we're, we're singing, we're praying, but the, the, the doctors are saying he's not going to make it. It doesn't look good. And, and he said, well, we're going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of the enemy. We're going to sing louder than the unbelief because they were battling the unbelief that God would actually heal him. And then he just kept saying, our weapon is our melody. And that melody was kind of woven in with praise and prayer. And then they kept reminding themselves that it's heaven who comes to fight for me. In that situation, if you listen to the words. And we're going to sing in the middle of the storm. doesn't matter that the storm is blowing or brewing. It doesn't look good for Jackson. Uh, we're still going to hear the praises war. We're going to have hope. Hope's going to arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. They wrote that line because he was right at the point of death. And they kept saying, but Jesus is the king. He defeated death. And they went on to say, with everything inside of us, we're still going to sing hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee as I sing hallelujah in the middle of this mystery, not knowing why this happened to Jackson out of the blue. I'm still going to raise a hallelujah. Fear, you lost your hold of me because there's that fear factor that he's going to die. And they said, but we're still going to sing hallelujah. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. And we're just going to sing a little louder. And it's kind of the words of the song. If you look at them, they have specific meaning for his situation, what they were going through as a church, and what they were going through with Jackson and and long story short, isn't it amazing when God comes through and does a miracle? I just, it still blows my mind. We still get miracles today, by the way. They're not just found in the Bible, in the book of Acts, or in Matthew, or whatever gospel you may read when Jesus prays for people. Jesus the Lord still does miracles today. And we need to be reminded of that. I mean, we've been talking about prayer and we're looking for joy in the journey, and we've been talking how important it is if you want to find joy in the journey of life, how it is connected with prayer. It, it, you know, Romans 12, 12 has been reminding us over and over, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And see, that thing of joy is connected with hope, it's connected with patience, but it's also connected with prayer. 
And there's this prime example here. We see prayer and praise connected in this song as he's writing this song, as they're praying for this young boy, and then God grants them the miracle that they're praying for. And I don't know about you, but I find it amazing how God uses struggle, trials, and tribulation. Nobody wants to go through that with your child. Nobody wants to hear the doctor say that, you know, that your son is going to die. Nobody wants to hear that. But the words that were, were written in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this trial and tribulation, actually became a new worship song for the church. And many churches sing this song today. You hear it on the radio. And it's a powerful song because behind it is a message that there is hope, that God can do a miracle, that prayer does make a difference. And I want you to know prayer makes a difference, and that's why we've been spending so much time on prayer. And, you know, in my second slide here, it talks about how important prayer is. And we've been just being reminded that prayer is, you know, how did Jesus pray? Uh, we talked about how Jesus prayed, how he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, how he prayed uh, at the Last Supper, how he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Prayers make a difference. And prayers set things in motion that otherwise would not be set in motion. And then secondly, we learn from the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus gave us, that it's, it's not just something to be memorized. It is something to be memorized, but used as an outline for our daily prayer life. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's lines in that stanza that we should use every day as we pray. And there's handouts in the back if you didn't get one of them to basically structure your prayer time every day around the Lord's Prayer. So we talked about how we should pray. Then we talked about why pray. I mean, why, why pray? I mean, you know, why, why can't we just maybe, you know, do something different? What is it that we have to pray? It's because we need to ask. We need to ask God. And the Bible tells us if, if we ask and we knock that he's going to open the door. And so it is a scriptural command from Jesus himself that we do need to pray. And he promises to hear our prayer. He promises to answer our prayer and to meet us at our point of need. And then we talked last week about where we should pray, and it's very simple. You can pray anywhere, and we looked at some of the scriptures. You could pray in the depths of the ocean and the heights of the sky. You can play on a mountaintop. You can pray on any continent in any moment in any situation. So basically, the question was very simple, but we can pray anywhere at any time. You can pray in your car. You could pray at work. You could pray at school. You could pray in the middle of a conflict. You could pray in the middle of a fight. You could pray. You can pray at any time and at anywhere. We just need to do it, amen? And when we do it, something happens. Something is set in motion in the heavenlies when we pray. And then today, I'm just going to talk a little bit more about what prayer does. I mean, when we pray, what really happens? And, we, you know, I shared this song with you. I shared this story with you about Jackson because I want you to know that is a result a prayer. It's a result of a church coming together, uniting together, and praying specifically for one young boy to receive a miracle, and God granted that request. And I don't know about you, but, you know, we have a lot of needs at our church. There's a few on the right-hand side there with the requests, and we've been praying as a church family, and we've been praying for it at our prayer meetings and praying for those requests for God to answer those requests. So I do want to remind you, 
If you do get an answer to one of your requests up there, please let us know because it's encouraging if we can move one over to being answered. Amen? Because prayer makes a difference. You know, um, you know, as I think about, you know, as we've been talking about prayer and meditating on prayer, you know, prayer, it will bring forth miracles and people will be set free. The book of Acts is filled with story upon story of people praying and God doing a miracle. George Mueller, I want to share a quick story about George Mueller. Uh, George Mueller was in England. He was a pastor. Uh, he was an amazing man of God. And, and this man just really believed that, you know, he took the scripture literally that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he would always say that if you pray, miracles happen. People get healed. Lives get set free. People get delivered. Families find forgiveness and inner healing. Relationships are mended. Marriages are restored. Orphans find homes. Cities are changed. Communities are changed. And even countries are changed. George Mueller, if you've ever read anything about him from history, uh, you know, he was in Bristol, England. He founded uh, many different orphanages, but, you know, he, he believed that he didn't have to uh, try and figure everything out before he founded the orphanages. As a matter of fact, if I just shared a few things that George did with no money, by the way, but he felt God called him to do these things, just listen to this. He cared for in his lifetime 10,024 orphans during his lifetime. 10,000. He started orphanages. He said that all I need to do is pray and God would bring the money in. As a matter of fact, one night was falling, one night over Bristol, England. And in the orphanage, which he and his wife had founded, the children were getting ready for bed. And George was working in his study when his wife arrived with alarming news. She said, George, we're out of milk, she said. There's not enough milk for the morning oatmeal. George laid his, his pen down on the desk. He says, this wasn't the first time that money needed to buy food and other supplies for them in the orphanage, he said. It was a constant thing. He says, so what he did is he said, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pray like we've always prayed. And so he started to pray. And some of the other orphan workers came in and prayed with him. And they prayed for maybe a half an hour or so, he said. And he said, we're not going to borrow money. We're going to trust God. We're going to stand upon the promises of the word of God. And we are going to believe that God is going to meet this emergency need right now in this moment. So when they were done praying, somebody knocked on the door. And so his wife went over and answered the door, and there was this lady there, and she said, the Lord just impressed upon my heart that I was supposed to bring this money over to you right now. And she handed him enough money to go buy milk. And he, and, and he said in his journal, he said, this wasn't the first time this happened. God repeatedly did things like this as we decided to take care of 10,000 orphans and see God change their lives. And here's just some of the things he did in his life. His 63-year ministry included missionary support to missionaries overseas, the establishment of the Scriptural Knowledge Institute in England, teaching Sunday school and day school, distributing Bibles and Christian tracts, and, of course, caring for England's orphans. He established 117 schools, which offered Christian education to more than 120,000 students, and not to mention the orphanages, which uh, met the need of over 10,000 students in his lifetime. 
He financially supported missionary operations in 26 different countries. He was directly involved in the Christian instruction of 121,000 pupils. He distributed 281,000 Bibles, 1,448 New Testaments. He distributed a one. 111 million Christian tracts, books, and pamphlets. He was directly involved in the conversion of over 2,813 of the orphans he took care of. And all this, and he did all this, and here's the best part. He never drew a salary from, a, from any church. It was all God provided through supernatural means. And he said very clearly, it's because I prayed. I mean, that's faith, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't get a salary. He wasn't a wealthy man. He starts these orphanages, and he literally has to trust God to meet and supply every need of the orphanage, of the school, to be able to get the Bibles, the support to missionaries that he would help send overseas. During just the last year of his life and, his, and basically his journal, he is recorded to have prayed for these things to come in to feed his orphans. 7,203 loaves of bread, he would write, Lord, I need 7,203 loaves of bread. And he would have the date that he prayed the prayer. And then next to it, he had have it written again, the date prayer was answered. And then he, he'd have written in there, 5,222 buns are needed to meet the need. And then he'd have the day he prayed that. And then next to it, he'd have a, a slash and he'd have next to that, the date that the prayer was answered. He prayed for nine tons of coal the day that he prayed for it, and then a few weeks later, the date that the nine tons of coal came. And he did this throughout this journal, and all the way through, there's 20 boxes of soap that he prayed for that came in. There's 26 haunches of venison that came in, 312 pheasants, 112 rabbits, five bags of oatmeal, 26 cases of oranges, five boxes of dates, 4,000 pounds of meat, and he would just keep writing in when God answered his prayer in his journal. He didn't just pray the prayer, he wrote in when God answered. That's kind of where I got the idea for our prayer wall here, amen? Wouldn't it be great to see the date that we pray for something and then to see the day that God answers it? Because we sometimes forget about what we pray for, don't we? And he was big at recording everything that God did. And there's a great autobiography out by him by, called The George Mueller Story. I encourage you to pick up that book. And you'll see all the miracles that God did for that man back there in Bristol, England. And can I say this again? God will do the same for you. George wasn't somebody, you know, more special than us. As a matter of fact, George just said, I'm just an ordinary guy who God called to be a pastor, and I just believe God's word that if I pray, God's going to meet my need. And if I'm in God's will and I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm supposed to open an orphanage or I'm supposed to open a Christian school or I'm supposed to send a missionary overseas, God promises that he will meet and supply all of my needs. He literally believed that. And so I, I want to remind you again, not just George's story, but I want to remind you in the book of Acts, what happens when we pray? What does it do? What literally does it do in the book of Acts? So turn with me. I want to look into the book of Acts here, and I want you to turn with me to our first section of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Now, if you recall last week from my message, I talked about how Jesus had commissioned his followers, disciples, and those with the disciples to go into the upper room and to pray and to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. But they were praying, interceding for the Holy Spirit to come in that, in that upper room. 
And they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They labored in prayer. And of course, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 1 and just rips through their lives, rips through the city's life. And over a couple thousand people come to Jesus as a result of their labor of prayer. But I want you to know that there's more happen than just those people coming to being filled with the Holy Spirit to uh, all these people getting saved. More than that just happened because you got to read on into Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 to 47. So here's kind of the rest of the story. So God's already done this. The Holy Spirit comes. Thousands of people come to Jesus. And it says in the next chapter, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Notice that. So this idea of breaking of bread and fellowship is in reference to the Lord's Supper, that they dedicated themselves to participating of the Lord's Supper, to doing that, to fellowshipping with one another, and to breaking of bread and to prayer. And as a result of them doing this, they're continuing in this act of prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And I, I want to pause there. What happens if we pray? I sincerely believe today if our church grabbed a hold of the spirit of prayer, people would be in awe. People would be filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs would be done by those who follow Jesus. I believe that. I believe that with my whole heart. I believe we need to move into an era where we are really praying. You look at what's happening in our community around us and in the world around us and our country around us, what's happening in the state of Illinois, and we as believers need to pray. I find it interesting, too, that not only did they gather together for the teaching aspect, but also they gathered together for the fellowship, fellowship and prayer, people praying together, holding each other's hands, holding each other's up in their time of need. And it goes on into verse 44. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. See, you know what prayer does? Prayer will unite the body of Christ. Rather than cause division, prayer will unite the body of Christ. You know, too many times in our society, you know, people are divided. They're at odds with one another. And I, and I just see that prayer caused this unity within the body of Christ that br brought the body of Christ together, and they were doing stuff together, one in Christ, and as a result of that, things were happening. People were getting saved. People's needs were getting met, because if you read on in verse 45, it says, they sold their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Have you, have you ever met anybody that sells everything they have to give to someone in need? Anybody ever met someone like that? But this is what's happening in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, because they prayed, because this prayer changed things, the communion becomes personal and intimate. Prayer caused them to want to connect more with God and with each other. Prayer brought an awe for God and for Jesus. Prayer set in motion miracles which created unity in the body of Christ, which then generated this idea that people would sell a possession of theirs to help out somebody else in the body of Christ who had a need. And if you read on, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's that joy we've been looking for. It came through prayer. It came through sacrifice. It came through coming together. And it says there was glad and sincere hearts in the believers in that day. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can I say something? If our church looked like this part of the book of Acts, we would be adding to our number daily. Would you agree with me? We would. 
That's what it takes. But it takes prayer. Prayer caused people within the body of Christ to open their wallets and to give to those in need and to the kingdom ministry. Prayer caused them to want to meet together and worship and honor God in public and in their homes, creating joy in their hearts. Prayer caused them to praise God for more. Prayer and miracles, along with unity, drew people to Jesus, and the kingdom of God grew. You want excitement in the body of Christ? You want excitement at Christian Hills Church and School? We need to pray. We need to pray that God would send these types of miracles and awes that they would come in and ignite a passion for him and a passion for his kingdom and a passion for what Jesus wants us to do. Second scenario, Acts chapter 12, verse 5. We don't just have this one situation or scenario. There's another one. In this situation, prayer impacted Peter when he was in prison. And as the prayers of the saints were going on in the house church, people were praying for him because he had been arrested. Now, just so you know, James has already been executed. So Peter was doing ministry. James gets arrested and he's executed. Peter is in prison. He's about to be basically, they're going to basically do a mock trial and he's basically going to be executed and he's waiting his execution in prison. And, and you know what the church does? The church doesn't start protesting. The church doesn't organize, you know, or storm the palace of Herod, you know, to overthrow him. The church doesn't do that. Uh, the church is not doing any of that stuff. The church gathers together and they start to pray and intercede for Peter. Now, that's important. you got to remember that. They're praying and interceding for Peter. As they are praying and interceding for Peter, it says this in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Harold was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries, stood guard at the entrances, and suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, said, quick, get up. He said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put your clothes and sandals on. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He actually thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Notice the faithful saints inside. You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Amazing story, true story, though. But I want you to understand something. Prayer released Peter from prison, literally. It does so today for people in spiritual prisons, physical prisons, emotional prisons, mentally ill prisons. God can set people free when doctors can't do it, when institutions can't do it, when it looks like there's no hope. God can come in and do hope. 
Prayer sets captives free, I believe, from demonic spirits too. Prayer sets freedom into motion. Prayer gets God's attention to move in power and might. And prayer sets in motion jailbreaks. Heard a story a long time ago about a guy by the name of Calvin Hunt. Calvin Hunt was a drug addict, cocaine addict. His family had gotten saved. His wife was going to Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And they prayed and interceded for Calvin. And Calvin just struggled with his addiction to cocaine. And one night in New York City, he said, I was actually literally in a doghouse and I was snorting cocaine. And he said, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came over me, he said. And the Spirit of God was drawing me in and said, Calvin, I can set you free. Calvin, I can deliver you. So he got out of this doghouse where he was doing his cocaine. He got on a bus, and he went all the way to the other side of the city to Brooklyn. And he went to Brooklyn Tabernacle. It was on a Tuesday night. And he said he felt this compelling presence of God that he needed to go to church. And that night when he walked into Brooklyn Tab, there was a prayer meeting going on with over a 1,000 people, and you know what they were doing that night? They were chanting, Calvin, Calvin, come home. Calvin, get set free. And they were much astonished when they turned around, and here comes Calvin walking down the middle aisle. And just so you know, Calvin got so set free and delivered that night, he got 100% set free. He went on to sing, and he... he he won uh, uh, basically a dove award. He went on to become uh, one of Brooklyn Tabernacle's main singers for their choir. He became a minister of the gospel. And God totally set that kid free. God can do that today if we pray. If we earnestly pray, this is what can happen. Just like Peter was set free. Let's look at our last text here. Acts chapter 16 in Acts chapter 16, we have Paul and Silas, two more heroes of the faith. They have also been arrested for preaching the gospel. And so what happens to them is they, they basically are put into a jail. And then it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 to 31, about midnight, because they've been arrested, they're in the jail, Paul and Silas started to pray and they started to sing hymns to God. In other words, they started in the midst of their jail cell, in the midst of being arrested, in the midst of not, things not looking very good, they started to pray to the Lord in this jail, and they started to sing praises to God. Just kind of like they did at Bethel, amen? When they did it for Jackson. And then they just started singing praises to God, and their praise was mixed with prayer, and they're just worshiping God and praying to God and asking God for a miracle, I'm sure. So as they're praying and singing hymns to God, the other prisoners were listening to them. Can I tell you something? Whenever you sing and praise, other people listen. As a matter of fact, Brooklyn Tab has many reports of their neighbors who would listen to their choir sing and who would be drawn by the Holy Spirit into the church to get saved. And so these prisoners are listening to Paul and Silas pray and sing hymns. And, and trust me, it's going to be impactful because something's about to happen here. And then suddenly it says there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. So there's an earthquake. Things are shaking, okay, as these guys are praying and praising. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains dropped off. Now, that would be kind of amazing, wouldn't it? Amen. Wouldn't you like to be in jail and all of a sudden all the doors open up, all the chains fall off? Yeah, it deserves a round of applause. See, we hear these stories so many times we forget about how dramatically impactful they are. What do you think those prisoners are going like, whoa, I've never seen anything like that. And what happens? 
What happened because of prayer and praise? The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword because he knew that if any one of his prisoners escaped, in those days, if you were the jailer and someone escaped, you were executed. You lost your life. So the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are here. <laughs> they didn't even walk out. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> it was so dramatic, it was so real, it was so powerful, it was so supernatural that he's saying to them, what must I do to be saved? Can I tell you something? When we start to pray like this, and when we start to believe like this and sing like this and, and, and let this impact our hearts and our minds and our lives, people are going to just come up to us and say, man, what do I got to do to get saved? I believe that in my heart. So they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And what happened? He brought his whole family to them. They all got saved. His entire family, the jailer's entire family got saved. I'm sure the prisoners, some of them too, because they just watched a whole bunch of supernatural events. Doors open, earth shake. These guys are praying and praising, and everything's shaking. Doors are open. The chains are falling off. People are being set free, and the jailer's saying, how do I get saved? It's kind of incredible if you think about it, isn't it? So prayer and praise cause the earth to shake and the place of bondage to shake, which causes the doors of freedom to open. Prayer and praise cause the change of bondages to fall off. Prayer and praise cause the lost to say, what must I do to be saved? Prayer and praise open the eyes of the blind and people come to Jesus out of a move of the Holy Spirit. Prayer and praise move through jailers, families, opening their spiritual eyes and ears to Jesus. And I'll say this, people who are locked in bondage get set free. That's what prayer and praise does. And I don't know about you, but you start seeing this stuff happening through prayer and praise, do you think you're going to have a little bit of joy on the inside? <laughs> do you think you're going to be able to say, man, that was like, wow, <laughs> right? Wouldn't you think that? That's what we're praying for here at Christian Hill. See, we're believing that prayer and praise connected together, that they will unleash miracles, healings, freedom, deliverance, and transformation. Truly, really, really, seriously, it works. So what do we need to do in light of this message today as we've been looking into the book of Acts and seeing what God wants us to do? Well, very simply, we need to push through. And it's an old acronym. I actually have it on a keychain of mine from years ago. And really, it's this idea we need to push through in prayer. See, I think we live in such an instantaneous society today. We think we can say one quick prayer and God should just answer that one quick prayer, right? Sometimes we need to tarry like the disciples did in the upper room and the apostles. Sometimes we need to push and push and push through. And so the acronym for push is pray until something happens. Don't quit. Don't give up. If you got a prayer request up there, don't quit praying for it. If you're praying for somebody else, don't quit praying for them. Push, push, push until you get the breakthrough. And there's a great scripture there that is in, um, I believe, Luke, and it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. See, we can't lose heart in prayer. We got to keep praying. We got to keep praying for the breakthrough. Got to keep praying for the breakthrough in the school, the breakthrough in the church, the breakthrough in this person's life, that person's life. Maybe this child that has walked away from Jesus that you don't think there's any hope. Can I tell you something? There's hope if you push, if you pray until something happens. And that's what we want to do, Amen. Pray until something happens. And 
This week, you know, I was kind of in my office, and I'm going to have the whole worship team come back at this time because I really felt we needed to do this today. See, we're going to incorporate in a moment prayer and praise, just like Paul and Silas did in the jail, all right? So I don't know what the bondages are. I don't know who's online listening to us today. Of Maybe you're struggling with addictions. Maybe you're struggling. It's a family scenario, marriage scenario. I don't know what the situation may be. But I want to encourage you something that I really believe God wants to do something today. Amen? And so we're doing our School of Kingdom ministry on Tuesday night. Most of you have kind of heard a little bit about that. And so one of the things we do in School of Kingdom ministry on Tuesday night is we actually pray for one another. And some of the people that have been in this, I just want to ask this question. Has God been using those prayers to do something in your hearts? If you're one of them, raise your hand. Amen? I don't know about you, but it's been doing something in my heart. And it's been doing something in the students in the School of Kingdom ministry. We're seeing God do supernatural stuff on Tuesday night. And it's just a little tidbit of us. I don't know, 12, 13 people, whatever it is. And I believe God has more. And so I'm going to have my School of Kingdom ministry students come up. And they're going to be praying up front. So here's what we're going to do. That song, I will sing a hallelujah, right? Everybody remember the song? Back to the song. These guys are going to sing that song for us. I believe there's an anointing on this song for God to do miracles. So all those guys, come on up. And ladies, they're going to be up front here. And if you have any kind of a prayer need, I want you to come up and they're going to pray for you. And trust me, some of these have prayed for me this week and even given me some prophetic words that were so right on the money. And God's using these guys, and he wants to do something in your heart and encourage you. So the other thing you can do while we're singing this song is you can have these guys pray for you here, or maybe you have another prayer request you want to put up there on the board. Then I encourage you to go over there. There's still post-its over there. Write your prayer request. We are praying for what's on the board. I'm praying for what's on the board. We are praying for a breakthrough. And remember, if you have an answered request, put that up on the board as well. So we're going to let these guys lead us in a time of worship. So here's what you can do. You can come forward for prayer. You can put a prayer request up there. Or maybe you can praise and sing along with the song if you want to do that. Or maybe you want to pray. And if you want to pray, just pray right where you're at. And let's just let the Holy Spirit have his way. Amen? Everybody with me? All right, let's let the Holy Spirit have his way. (laughs) 